0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: And welcome on into another edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast. I am your host, Jordan Schusterman, joined as always by Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. And gentlemen, we have a whole new Mookie trade to discuss. Last week, we got to talk about the first uh, edition of the Mookie Betts trade to the Dodgers. And now we have a a fresh uh, new trade that is officially official. And thus, we can talk about it in definitive terms. Jonathan, it's nice that we now actually have all the facts. Is that uh, fair to say?
0: Yeah, it was like a... Dress rehearsal last week. We were trying it out, trying it out for sides. You know, uh, the warranty hadn't worn off yet. So we decided to return it and uh, come up with this trade instead.
1: Now, uh, Jim, conveniently, uh, the, the, the Brewstar Gratterall trade uh, or portion of this trade still did sort of happen. The uh, ended up going to a different uh team but we did talk about Bruce Dar last week Um, but but Jim uh, let's let's dive into this actual Mookie Betts trade that that happened here uh, because they the Red Sox after much consternation and questions about medicals and all kinds of crazy stuff they ended up with two more good players in addition to Alex Verdugo who we talked about last week uh, Jeter Downs and Connor Wong so uh, what can what can Sox fans expect from from Mr. Jeter Downs Uh, I know they love guys named Jeter uh, and Connor Wong. Yeah, I was gonna
2: say I, I don't think there's any question that that this trade looks better for the Red Sox than the the previous iteration of the trade. Um, not that you're gonna feel good about trade Mookie Betts, but you know if we're looking at Jeter Downs plus Connor Wong versus Bruce Star Gratterall, um, you know Downs plus Wong is clearly better to me. I, I think Downs has got a chance. I, I think he's actually a little bit underrated, not necessarily on our top 100 list, but I think he's a little bit underrated where people you know, maybe don't realize the kind of years he's had two years in the big in the minors two full seasons you know, he, he had 13 homers and 37 steals in his first full season in the Midwest League which is one of the hardest places to hit in the minors and only one other minor leaguer matched that in 2018 last year he had 24 homers and 24 steals got to double a at, at age i think i think he was still 20 when he got there or shortly after he turned 21 um there's some dispute, you know, is he more of a shortstop, more of a second baseman? I don't think that's really an issue for Boston. I, I think he becomes your, 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 projected second baseman of the future, you know, which is probably at some point next year, but I, I really, really like Jeter Downs. I, like I said, I, I think he's a little underrated and Connor Wong immediately becomes Boston's best catching prospect. He's kind of an unusual profile for a catcher. Cause he's, he's a, a solid runner. He's a 55 runner, very athletic. He, he can play second. He can play third, So even if he's not a future starter, if that doesn't pan out, he could be more than just a backup catcher. He could play multiple positions. He could theoretically pinch run, Um, you know, probably slow down a little bit as he continues to catch. But I mean, this is a guy who does have some swing and miss to his game, but hit 24 home runs last year too, you know, between high class A and double A. So he's kind of on that border for me as to whether he's an everyday catcher or merely a good backup. But he he's an interesting prospect too,
1: uh, Jonathan. I assume uh, you're mostly uh, in agreement in regards to the the new and improved package uh, that the Red Sox got, being a little bit better than than the Bruce Dar, uh side of things.
0: No, Jim is completely <laughs> wrong. No, I'm, kidding. I'm just trying to stir up trouble. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the things that not only like on paper, you know, from a from a public relations standpoint, it looks better, but they, you know, they they got more this this time around and i think <clears throat> that you know when all is said and done to get an up the middle everyday player uh, as opposed to and i like Roderrall's arm um but to uh to get that instead of a guy who most people now think ends up in the bullpen uh even with those question marks that's an upgrade right there plus the extra player and a guy who as jim, jim said at the very least is is a big league backup and with catchers, you know, there's always a chance, like, given the opportunity that maybe they end up, you know, being solid big league regular. So, you know, two big league pieces there with one, you know, and Jeter Downs with a chance to be an impact player. Yeah, it's obvious, you know, for me, it's it's a it's a much better deal, uh, both on paper and in reality.
1: I also think, uh, to Jim's point uh, about just Jeter Downs maybe being a tad underrated, I feel like now him being one of the few super awesome prospects in the Red Sox system, I think he's about to be like a very big deal, especially if he has a hot start to next year, because it felt like he was just crowded behind a lot of other very good Dodgers prospects. And now he's already been traded twice. Um, but I think he, he's poised to be. And, and, and Jim, uh, he's, he's, he's number one, right? He's, he's, he's jumping ahead of, of Cal. I mean, we, I guess we already knew because he's on the top 100 ahead of Tristan Cassis, But uh, he is the new, the new Red Sox number one prospect, correct?
2: Yes, I think you could have. I mean, Casas would have been ahead of Gratterall based on the top 100, but I think you could have that debate back and forth depending on what you thought Bruce Star was going to be. But I think as much as I like Tristan Casas, who I also think is a little underrated because he had a huge power year in low Class A that I think kind of escaped people's attention a little bit. Jeter Downs is a better prospect. You know, the the bonus for him, like you said, Jordan, is, I mean, he was blocked. I I don't know how he was going to play, you know, barring trades where you already had... Corey Seager and Gavin Lux and Max Muncy and Chris Taylor and Kiki Hernandez can play the infield too. And I'm probably forgetting somebody like as good as he is where he was really going to play in LA plus the, 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 the very small pieces trade, his older brother is a Red Sox prospect, not a top 30 prospect, but his older brother, Jerry is a first baseman in the Red Sox system. So that's he gets reunited with his brother as even yet another bonus for Jeter
1: downs in this trade. Do you know
2: if he even likes his
1: brother? Yeah, that's true. Maybe this is like, oh, man.
2: Scouts say the relationship between the brothers is at least a 55, maybe a 60. Maybe better.
1: <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's that's what you would have to be asking the scouts about. Uh, so yes, I think Red Sox fans uh, again, it's gonna it's gonna suck no matter what to trade Mookie Betts. There's no way around that. Um, but Jeter Downs is really good, and I think that there is a lot to be excited there. Now, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Bruce Dar was in fact moved. He ends up going uh, to Los Angeles in the trade that is now for Kent Maeda. Um, but uh, I guess we should also touch quickly on, on the couple of prospects that that moved in this deal. Um, I don't think we have anything more to say about Bruce Dar, other than that it's interesting that you know the Red Sox maybe saw him as a starter and then didn't see him as a starter, and the Dodgers are going to move him right to the bullpen. It sounds like, uh, but there were uh, another tr- prospect involved in the trade, Luke Rayleigh, who was on the Dodgers originally, and now they're reacquiring him. Uh, Jim, says that that's what, what? What do you think the deal is here, trying to get Luke Rayleigh back? Not that they need outfield depth, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was you know it's
2: you know they wound up after the Red Sox decided they didn't want Gratterall the dodge you know the Dodgers wanted to trade Miata's salary and the Twins really wanted Miata so they kind of reconstitute that trade a little bit um you know it's interesting cuz there's prospects on <laughs> on both sides and so it's probably eye of the beholder i mean Luke Rayleigh is a little bit closer to being ready for the Dodgers although again their outfield's so crowded uh I don't know where, you know, he's necessarily going to get a lot of playing time. Um, and, uh, you know, the flip side of that, you know, Jair Camargo is an interesting catcher who, who's way down the lower levels of the Dodger system was in low class A last year. So, I mean, really is, is a guy who, who wasn't a high draft pick. He came out of Lake Erie College in, in Ohio. Is that, is that D3, Jordan? Is that, no, I this is
1: D two. It's D two, but he was a, a D two legend. I'm 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 very familiar. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you know, seventh rounder who, you know he you know he could do a little bit of everything. You know, probably not an everyday player, certainly on the Dodgers, but you know, interesting. He's he's twenty. He'll be twenty five this year. And, and Camargo's a, a young catcher with some power potential and some arm strength. So, you know, I'm sure both the Dodgers and the Twins feel like they came out a little bit ahead on the prospect exchange of, of really for Camargo. It's just kind of what you wanted, but um, yeah, it it was, it was interesting that they reconstituted that deal with, you know, threw in a couple you know, each team throws in a prospect. I mean, I don't know why you couldn't have traded Gratterall for Maeda straight up when that was what was originally going to happen essentially anyway, but um, so be it.
1: Yeah. uh, Dodgers also getting um, a a competitive balance pick uh, in that, Trade, which is which is good for them, uh, and and Jonathan, you, you mentioned you know last week was a sort of a dress rehearsal for this week, but there was something that we practiced last week that did not end up happening, which was the Dodgers and Angels trade. Um, that it, it sounds like the the reports are that uh, Angels owner Artie Moreno decided to to kind of pull out because it was it was taking so long, and it I I don't really know why you wouldn't want to do this trade that was going to seemingly net them jock peterson and ross stripling and andy pahaze who we spent like five minutes on last week <laughs> um but uh jonathan i mean what, what do you i mean again we have the reports too but this seems like a kind of a, a strange turn of events here and and it still feels like jock peterson has to get traded right I, I, he, I, I, he right they, they still have too many outfielders and it still seems like he'd be on the move but you have any thoughts on that deal following through jonathan
0: yeah, I mean, you would think that he would still have to get traded, um, but I guess maybe they try to sort it out and see what happens. You know, sometimes things have a way of working out. A guy gets hurt. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong starting spring training with extra outfielders and then seeing, you know, and then seeing what happens. Um, yeah, that uh, our discussion of that trade will get left on the cutting room floor um, just because it didn't happen. It, it is it is. It is strange. Um, I'm not exactly sure. You know, we just got impatient. Yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, we don't really know behind the scenes what the what the deal is that what the deal was there. But it, it would have been a very good net gain for the Angels, both in terms of bolstering their big league team, and uh, you know, and adding some starting pitching which they really need, and and adding you know some, some depth to their farm system. You know, know, I think we talked about it last year, but uh, he would have gone into the, into the top 10, maybe as high as five on the angels list. Um, So, you know, it it is a, it is a little bit surprising and, you know, we may never know exactly what, you know, what the machinations were behind the scenes, but um, I think it was a, a missed opportunity for the angels. I'm curious to see what happens now. Um, with the, with the Dodgers and and what uh, they still have some pieces that they, they can trade if, uh, if need be, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches for them to have, you know, excess at the big league level and still a very deep farm system.
2: Yeah. I, I was, I mean, it sounds like from the best as we could tell from reports that Artie Moreno just did get impatient and frustrated that it took so long to complete this trade. Uh, I'm still kind of at a loss as to why they wouldn't want to do this. I mean, the Angels kind of have a a somewhat flawed roster, but are hoping to contend. And they Mm -hmm. were, in my mind, probably getting, you know, very good chance they're getting the three best players in this deal. I mean, Jock Peterson, okay, yeah, he's a platoon player. He's still a valuable platoon player, hit 36 home runs last season, doesn't have really a place to play in LA anymore. Ross Stripling is a very useful pitcher who – Throws a ton of strikes and succeeds. Whether you use him as a starter or as a multi inning reliever, he's super valuable. He probably goes in the Angels' rotation if they acquire him. Um, you know, Andy Paez we talked about last week. You know, hasn't played above rookie ball yet, but it's a real exciting package of tools. He would have been, I think we talked last week, Jonathan, the fourth or fifth best prospect on the New Angels list when that would have come out. Um, uh, Luis Renifo, uh, you know, he, he's useful. I think he's more of a utility guy. I think he would have been kind of buried on L.A. a little bit. Um, I, I don't think that was any tremendous value. The Angels were giving up. And, you know, the, like when we first heard about this trade, I, we, Jonathan and I have both been working on top 30s and talking to a bunch of teams. And I was talking to teams last week, and I had a couple of them say they could not understand why – like they understood why the Dodgers were losing salary there to get under the sal- – you know, the, the luxury tax – you know, after getting bets and price, they could understand that aspect of the deal, but they didn't understand why you would include Andy Pays in the deal. Why why you had to include Andy Pays to facilitate that deal. And the Angels were supposed to be giving up I, I don't think we ever well, we definitely didn't know who. And I don't even know if we we knew hundred percent whether it was one prospect or two. But the vast difference in the quality of those two systems, I, I, I enraged Jonathan before we began this podcast. Okay, you're not giving up Joe Adele on that deal. And he obviously was going to be in that deal. I don't think if it's, if it was one prospect, I don't even care if it's Brandon Marsh, who I like that trade is a good trade for the angels. Even if they're giving up Brandon Marsh, maybe not from a cost certainty standpoint, but I think Jock Peterson, you know, there's a good chance. Jock Peterson has a better big league career than Brandon Marsh does. And you're getting Ross stripling and Pahays. Um And I know it probably wouldn't have been Brandon Marsh. And if it wasn't Brandon Marsh, then I wouldn't even hesitate to give up any other, you know, Jordan Adams or, or Jeremiah Jackson. They're interesting. And I doubt it was even necessarily somebody that good, but I, to me, that trade would have been a no-brainer for the Angels as long as they weren't giving up Joe Adele. So I think Artie Moreno, uh, you know, cut his nose off to spite his face basically by not doing this deal. If that if that's the reason it didn't happen,
0: it's uh, you know, if it, it, thinking about it, you know, you mentioned a guy like Jeremiah Jackson or Jordan Adams. Like it, it, it for me, it would have made more sense. I mean, Dodgers standpoint if they could have gotten a. Uh, you know, a guy a little further away, and maybe the angels would have been willing to trade. Uh, you know, as you said, their system isn't nearly as deep as the Dodgers, but one of those guys who has high upside, um, but is really, really far away, and there's risk involved. So, whether it's you know, one of those guys you mentioned who have shown some good things, or a guy like Deshaun Knowles or Trent DeVoe uh, who have struggled so far, well, Deshaun Knowles has shown some glimpses, but. You know, guys of that nature, maybe that would have uh, that would have
2: made it. If i if I'm the Dodgers, if if we're doing that, I'd rather just keep Andy Behays and take Deshaun Knowles or Trent DeVoe. Yep. And I'm already helping you out by giving you Stripling and and Jock Peterson for Renafo. So yep. like that trade I, nothing about that trade that trade continues to baffle me now that it didn't happen.
1: I agree. And when uh, when Andy Bahays makes his first All-Star game in twenty twenty six, Angels fans will remember our podcast that we did talking about how good he could be one day. So, uh, and that podcast, it's not lost <laughs> on the cutting room floor because
0: it exists, Jonathan. People can listen to that. They can go look. I'm sorry. It was just the Oscars on Sunday. I was thinking about film editing. That's what I thought of it. But, but so like that still actually exists if people want to listen to that five years. from
1: now. Yeah, no, there's all, all kinds of uh, Andy Pahay's content. So don't you worry. There's no, no shortage. Uh, if you want to, uh go find that. So I, I still feel like Jock Peterson has to get moved. Gets moved. Maybe it is somehow to the Angels. Maybe it's I think Cleveland makes a lot of sense for him, but uh we will talk about that uh when and if it actually happens. That's
2: that's a good good one there, Jordan.
1: I like that. Cleveland is 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 a no-brainer. Uh, him and Jordan Lupo. Uh, all right, let's move on uh to a very fun uh article that we have on MLB pipeline right now, which is each team's fastest prospect and we had a little bit of a debate going, uh, before we started here, uh, very simply, which is of course we have, you know, the fastest prospect from every, every, of uh, uh organization here and i don't think right not all these guys are on top 30s at all right this is this is uh, i think more of them probably are not oh most of them are not okay so so this is this is a cool article because uh, when you when you really break it down to an individual tool you get to learn about guys that uh you wouldn't necessarily be seeing at the top of prospect list but these guys still have elite tools um and so uh jonathan i'll start with you who do you think is the fastest fastest prospect <laughs> On this list,
0: I feel now like there's like pressure to pick <laughs> not on a top thirty. Uh,
1: well, uh, you don't have to do that. I mean, I guess what I would say is that I think that this is just. I, I'm always fascinated when it, when I read this article because I, I I love these these you know best tools in each each team. And you know when you guys are talking to, to scouts and hearing like. Everyone says, oh, that guy's really fast. But I'm sure that there are some guys that get a special, like, particular superlative. So I'm curious if any of those uh, stand out in, in the research that, that you did for this.
0: Well, you know, I, I found it interesting, and, you know, and I'm I'm looking mostly at the, the guys who are my, you know, m- my teams, you know, where sometimes you get a name that's not what you were expecting. So like for the Braves, when, you know, when we were looking at it, I, I, I just assumed that it was going to be Christian Paché. Everyone talks about how fast he is and the fact that, you know, he got some votes in that pipeline poll that we did for the fastest guy. Um, But then when I talked to the the, the Braves, they actually said Justin Dean um, who has flirted with the Braves top 30 uh, at times, but, uh, and from uh, Lenoir Rhine,
1: All all kinds uh, of D2 talk here on, on this episode.
0: Yes. Um, And he stole 47 bases last year and led the South Atlantic league. Uh, He stole a bunch of bases in school, uh, you know, pro debut. So, you know, I guess it's been a year plus of his pro debut and he's stolen 63 bases already. Um, And Pache, you know, I think sometimes it'd be interesting to see like the difference between guys, if they just ran like a straight 60 yard dash uh, versus stealing a base or, you know, Straight point A to point B speed compared to going first to home. You know, I I think there are some different skills there, but uh, I think, you know, I don't I don't think Justin Dean is the fastest guy of the 30 that we have on on here, uh, but he's already shown that his speed plays on the base paths anybody on the
1: list there you go uh jim is there is there a, a speedster that stands out to you I, I just that's the thing i love the variety you know we have a first overall pick on this list like royce lewis um and then we've got you know d2 23rd round picks or 17th round pick sorry in justin dean's case um so uh who, who else stands out to you? i know before we were saying cj abrams has a good case but uh who do you think
2: well, it, it's interesting. I was, I was. Well, Jonathan was talking. I was, I was going through this trying to come up with my over under on how many of these guys we think will, or I think will play in the big leagues. I came up with eleven and a half would be my over under, um, because it's this interesting. This list is is one of the hardest to put together, and your question is hard to answer because there's not consensus. Because a lot of these guys. Don't come to mind when you're thinking top 30 prospect types. The, to answer your question, co- so I, I don't think we can definitively tell you who the fat there, There's no clear, right? You know, fastest guy. Now that said, the fastest guy in the top 100, the consensus was was CJ Abrams of the Padres. The <laughs> now that said, CJ was first round pick last year. The consensus fastest player in last year's draft, which is also very nebulous and subjective, was James Beard of the White Sox who drew Billy Hamilton comparisons as a Mississippi high school outfielder, you know, two guys who people probably have not heard of who might be the fastest on here. And the reason I bring them up is because I know them. They're probably guys on here. I don't know as well, who may be just as fast. The the Yankees have a a kid, an outfielder, Isaiah Pasteur, who Runs 6 two, 60 sixty-yard dashes and routinely gets down the line from the right side of the plate in less than four seconds. Um, you know he's you he know hasn't hit much as a pro. He's got twenty-one steals in seventy-eight pro games. He was a the Atlantic Ten Conference Player of the Year at George Washington in two thousand eighteen after transferring from Indiana. And then I don't do our Orioles list. I think you're in charge of that now, Jonathan. But um, I recognized yeah. the name from the draft. One of my draft guys, Mason Janvrin, who was at Central Missouri, which is d2 john uh d2 jordan
1: Ooh, uh Central I, Missouri. Mm, have they moved up to d1 i, I think they're d1 now but i'll, I'll, I'll confirm you can, you can keep talking
2: anyway mason janverin i was like oh yeah i remember him mason janverin i had scouts telling me that they clocked him from the right side of the plate to first base in th- in under 3.6 seconds on a bunt and his yeah uh, and, his da- and his dad and his dad His dad, Kip, you always all, all of course, remember Kip Janvrin, was a two thousand Olympic decathlete, who is the co-track head, co-head track coach at UCM. So, like, I was like, "Whoa, Mason Janvrin! So Mason Janvrin can really fly too." Um, But you know, it's it's it. it, This list is is interesting. If we had a if this list were a Sporkle quiz.
1: I don't think people would do that. Well. That is an incredible way to phrase that, and confirmed also <laughs> division two. So we have really with 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 Mason Janvrin and Luke Rayleigh and and Justin Dean. I mean, division two getting all kinds of love. Uh, and I will also say, uh, I saw Isaiah uh, Pasteur play last year in Staten Island, and he is indeed very, 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 very fast. But he hit one ninety-eight. So. You know, to your point about how many of these guys are going to make the big leagues, but uh, but this is a this is a fun this is a fun list. I, right there, you go. I'm learning about the 2000 Olympic Games. I was not expecting that, so uh, I appreciate the uh, the insight. Uh, all right, let's let's do quickly. Uh, let's 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 talk fastballs because this is a, an article that uh, is going up. Um, you know what? We'll we'll say today. We'll we'll, we'll have it up. We'll have it. up. will it'll be up when you're listening to this. Um is the best fastball in the minor leagues. You, you did the fastest people. Now you're doing the fastest fastballs. Uh, so this is another fun list, of course. No, now this one... Fastest, fastest fastball. Fastballs. So now this one might actually be fastest. more easy to quantify in terms of who actually has the fastest fastball. But it's not fastest fastball. It's best no, it's fastball. it's not the fastest. It's best oh. fastball. So we do okay.
2: factor in life and movement and that Okay, All stuff right. too.
1: Well, thank you for correcting me. I guess I would say... <laughs> Is the fastest fastball not on here? I guess is Ray Black. Did Ray Black not make the
0: list? (laughs) I I, he's not a prospect anymore, is he? uh, Yeah, I guess not. Well,
1: then I guess my question would be uh, of the best since it is the best fastball. Obviously, a lot of these guys are throwing are touching triple digits. Uh, So then, then who's number one, Jonathan? Who's who's the best fastball in the minor leagues?
0: It's got to be Nate Pearson, right? I mean, I'll second that. Yeah, I mean, just uh, now, and in this case, um, you know it. He has one of the fastest fastballs, but what made him take a huge leap forward, uh, in addition to you know his secondary step being so good, is just his his command of his triple digit fastball. Uh, it's been much better than I think a lot of people <clears throat> anticipated, and uh, y- you know we all know what he's capable of doing from a sh- strict velocity standpoint. But uh, you know there were a lot of people who thought that maybe he was a reliever. And I think if, you know, if last year's any indication, and it was over the course of a long season across levels, you know, he's not a relief pitcher. Um, And, you know, yes, like I said, the overall command of all of his stuff and the secondary stuff improving, but his ability to command a a fastball that consistently hits, you know, upper nineties, triple digits is pretty impressive
1: uh Jim if you you are already on record in agreement uh with Nate Pearson so we don't have to talk about him anymore uh are there any other uh, particular fastballs that stand out to you one that that I just visually that comes to mind is Luis Patino, another top prospect um we got to see him in the futures game and he his was just unbelievable stuff so uh any other uh, of these heaters uh that stick out to you he
2: he was he was great fun at at the futures game last year i think of the of the 10 fastballs I wrote up the one that intrigued me the most would be Emmanuel Classe with the Indians just that I mean he he has extraordinary velocity to begin with I mean he usually pitches from 97 to 102 miles an hour but the ball cuts so much like it's really a 97 to 102 mile an hour cutter you know it, it just I, I don't think there's another pitch another fastball like that it it's it's kind of similar to Jordan Hicks, you know, who, you know, is in the big leagues, isn't a prospect, but, you know, Jordan Hicks threw the 23 fastest pitches in Major League Baseball last year, even though he blew out his elbow before the end of June. He averaged 101. He topped out at 104. And it's a two-seamer. Nobody throws a two-seamer that hard. And similarly, nobody throws as hard as Emmanuel Classé with that kind of cut. It, it, it's just an insane insane fastball. It's interesting. I mean, he, you know, the, the Padres gave him up. The Padres signed him out of the Dominican Republic. They gave him up in a trade for Brett Nicholas, who, whose career ended shortly thereafter in 2018. Went to the Indians in December as part of the Corey Kluber deal. But, you know, got to the big leagues with Texas very quickly um, and had a 2.31 ERA last year. So I, I think he's going to make an immediate impact for the uh, for the Indians um and i just i think his fastball it's just it's if you were plotting you know like a graph that that tracked velocity and cutting action he would be in the upper right hand corner of that graph all by time. Uh, and himself.
1: then well then i'm i'm going to i'm going to ask because you know you you made me sound silly but who who of this list do we know uh what is the fastest fastball that we've heard of because i know pearson like Uh, did he touch one Oh four in the AFL, maybe stadium gun? I don't know if we had one Oh four confirmed on scout guns, but what is that? Did did we have that confirmed? I think we
2: did. I think we did. I think we did. I think, I mean, his one Oh four, I think is considered more legit than Michael Kopech's legendary one Oh five back. in, But but that was on radar guns too. That wasn't just a, a scoreboard gun, but yeah, I think if I had to, bet my life which thankfully you guys are not making me do um which 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 reading was more legit i would go with pearson's 104 than Kopech's 105 and ray black who i saw hit 105 on a radar gun in the fall league a few years ago does no longer qualify as a prospect he has two
1: Wow, but you see that you saw him
0: hit 105
2: I mean it was on I mean who knows how well I didn't calibrate the gun afterward but yes I saw him hit Jim 105. Jim, it was pretty cool. Jim went with him
0: to the state fair and it was at one of those booths
2: one of those booths, Ray Black, would throw like one twenty-three, I think. <laughs> and then if he did the the, the bogus, yeah. hey, let's take a running start, you know, because like oh, you can yeah. really do that in a game. If Ray yeah. Black did one of these running starts, like in an indoor facility, he'd probably throw like one hundred eighteen.
1: Right, we saw. I think Forrest Whitley had one of those where it was like one ten uh, last off season. Jonathan, is there anyone else? I know. I know there were rumors Hunter Green touching one hundred three. Um, is there any other uh, Andres
0: Munoz? with Andre's is another. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, you know, Hunter Green's a tough one because he hasn't, you know, he hasn't pitched in a year. But I mean, we saw what he did in the Futures game before he blew out. Um, uh, you know, that, that was a whole bunch of triple digits. So uh, he, he may not do the 104, 105, but his ability to hold velocity is, you know, I, I would put a healthy Hunter Green in in the conversation of just pure arm strength you know, eight pure 80 fastballs, but. And know. nobody
2: does it easier either. I mean, it's, you it may not throw the absolute hardest, but if we somehow measured, you know, velocity, like if I'm, I'm plotting grass, we're switching to graphing talk. If you were plotting velocity with Minus ease 14. of effort, yeah. he would be the guy at the upper right-hand corner yeah, of that graph. It's
1: true. It is, it is, it is wild watching, Hunter Green video and realize how hard he's throwing. Uh, I hope he's back soon. That would be be nice to have him back in our in our prospecting world.
2: He theoretically should be because he had Tommy John last spring. I, I would, I mean, I would think mid-season probably.
0: Yeah, June or July. I think they're aiming for it. Everything I've heard is that the rehab has gone well and he's you know he's making his way back and you know there's no there's no need to rush him in any, in any way, shape, or form. So you know, my guess is midway point
1: yeah and i he just went from i mean he was such a big deal out of the draft and the timing of the surgery really put him off the map um and i if i recall he was pretty young for his draft too so he he he's uh shouldn't be too far behind the curve once uh he is back hopefully throwing a uh, hundred miles an hour again uh all right gentlemen uh this was a, a nice tight little podcast uh, uh jonathan was this was this a successful real performance after our dress rehearsal last week for the mookie best trade
0: I think I think we did well. We hit our marks. Uh, yeah, no, I thought this was uh, this was good.
1: All right, Jim. Uh, hopefully we plenty
0: of D
2: two talk. Plenty of graphing talk. I mean,
1: plenty of D two talk. Oh yeah, we 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 hit it all, uh, Jim. Hopefully we don't have a, a third Mookie Betts trade to talk about next week. But maybe we will have an actual Jock Peterson trade. That is possible. We we could touch on that.
2: If I'm Billy Epler, I'm talking to Artie Moreno and saying, please let me make this trade. Please let me make this trade. It will make our team a lot better this year.
1: Please, please. I really, please, I was listening. Maybe, maybe
2: Artie Marino will listen to this podcast and realize the error of his ways and then try to get the deal
1: to happen again. Billy Epler's like, I was listening to the Pipeline podcast and Andy Behays sounds so good. That's, I think that's what Billy Epler's saying. Artie, if you're listening, Appreciate it, man. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for listening, as always. Uh, I'm your host, Jordan Trusterman. For Jim Cowes and Jonathan Mayo, uh, we will talk to you very soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or...